0: India charts the truth about the markets. India charts publishes Nifty daily, daily video updates, the weekly Elliott wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes. Tick tock, tick tock. Too many questions. That's right, the riddler. If you haven't been riddled by the recent market action, well, I have been riddled trying to solve this mystery, trying to understand which way it's going to unfold looking at historical perspectives, going back and forth, reading research reports from listening to hedge fund managers and looking up on my charts. Putting it all together has not been an easy task and I continue to go back and forth trying to make that big time judgment call, the one that I made in December, the long short report titled last chance to sell we are now into the fourth month halfway through since that call and the market is still falling but the call was not just for a market decline the call was really for the unraveling of a major second wave either in the Indian markets and if at all it would be accompanied by what would be a global unwind specifically starting with the US and what actions have been Taken over there. A lot of people are still sitting on that story, expecting that kind of an unwind. But the fact is, here we are sitting more than 12 months. I think 18 months, almost since uh, global market started to peak. If you take it from November of 2021, you could say 15 months, 16 months, more than a year, and here we are. Typically, compared to any previous major bear market uh, of that magnitude that we are trying to think can unfold here with the yield curve inversion, the slowing of the US economy and so on, if you really hit a recession, we would have been down in this time period by more than at least 20-30% from here. And if not, at least with all the news flow that we've had in India with the unwind of the Adani story and now the global banking crisis news, a lot of which usually comes at the end of a critical period, a major sell-off, a major bear market. In the last stages, you hear these kind of events, closures, shutdowns, scams and scandals and the market makes its final plunge, losing that final 20-30% and overall the bear market ends up being a 60-70% loss from the all-time highs. Now, are we really there? The answer is 12 months running. We are not. So, what really happened uh, You know, after that December report, I had to write something in January called a new normal. And why did I say this is a new normal? Because I started to wonder, based on the feedback loop, has something really changed? Are we going through something which is a little different than the usual playbook? Because even if we compare with the smaller degree bear markets, 2015, we've had 2011-12, we've had you know, 2020, of course, uh, only two months of COVID. It was sharp, which is why we don't put it in the same block. Otherwise, in terms of time or price, if you have a consolidation which is shorter in time or shorter in depth, it's a smaller degree bear market inside a bigger bull market. And even those declines in terms of pattern don't match what we have really seen, specifically in India over the last 18 months. US at least had seen a meaningful drawdown. Now, after that drawdown, if it had to continue, it should have by now broken, uh, you know, its recent lows, especially the December lows. And here after all this news flow, we still have not done that. And so that should really get you questioning, Uh, if uh, you know even if this is a bear market rally in the u.s is it a smaller degree uh, you know bounce or is it a larger degree bounce can it be something something some other kind of you know pattern forming a more complex outcome than we really thought and what if we are really postponing the eventual outcomes by 6 to 12 months which can also create a huge opportunity or room in between for different things to happen than the usual playbook i mean it's easy to say well Uh, the yield curve is inverted, you end up getting a recession, Fed pivots, everything collapses, final low in place. And that is the theme and playbook that I was referring to till December in all of my podcasts. So what's really changed? What's changed is that nothing that has happened in the last four months is following that playbook. And so going back and forth, like I said, right at the beginning, I've had to read, listen, think, watch the charts and try and understand what may be really happening here. And if even it is something that uh, we are not at that destination yet and uh, you're somewhere in between, then the markets start doing something differently, which means we have to pay attention to the shorter term cycles more closely than the big picture and try to you know overlay a big picture and expect it to follow a certain predefined model and simply go with what is happening right now. And so in that sense, uh, what it would actually look like is that a lot of this bad news has come and gone and who knows is it really discounted uh, if we actually go by the model which is the bond equity commodity model uh, the bond market speak first commodities later uh, last and equities somewhere in between we've seen the peaking cycle happen in that pattern will the bottoming cycle also happen in the same way logically mostly yes but all the times that it did at least in the last two or three cycles it was not with an inflationary boom bust environment in fact it was also it was also if you put it uh, you know parallelly along with fed policy we of course when we say bond market we are simply looking at the bond yield and surely bond yields started to rise far far ahead in fact right after COVID, maybe within six months they started to rise as they do because equities are going up Uh, bonds have already bottomed before that So bonds start to rise and then they peaked out and started to fall way, way early, you know, and so they started to fall, equities went up for another year despite uh, bonds falling. But more important than that is that the Fed did not follow that uh, playbook, you know, they didn't really raise rates on the back of rising bond yields, which is something they did even in 2005, 6 right? Once the market started to recover, they started to push rates back up from the 2% lows that they had really brought it down to post the Y2K bubble and uh, raising them, they slowly pushed it back up and then after some point of time it broke uh, the housing market and you had the housing bubble unwind so that's how it's always been the fed just followed the market followed the bond market and moved rates but that's not what they did in 2021 they simply waited longer. i think if anyone in hindsight will say where was the fed's mistake they'll say that they probably waited too long uh, to stay with the course stay with the cycle this time around uh, they just didn't go into the hiking cycle along with the bond market And having delayed that, what's ended up happening is we actually seeing some correlations happen slightly with the lead lag, which means usually if markets had had started to fall because of rates going up, uh, by now you'd already be in a recession. And you would have rate cuts, you would have the pivot and the stock market fall into the final lows because of the recession itself. But here we are where the Fed didn't raise rates even till the point where the market had peaked and started to roll over. They only started hiking rates after the markets already falling which is aggravating the bond sell off and equity sell off. Which is why 2022 is going to be remembered as the year when equities and bonds fell together. After a very very long period of time, the risk on risk off trade which has been apparent for so many years or I should say decades where you know bonds and equities in the US have been inversely correlated some suddenly broke broke path and started to be directly correlated but what happened in the last one week with with the with the news flow I wrote a note I think a week back that there was an intermarket divergence between uh, you know the 30-year and the two-year US bond yields and that was suggesting that you could get a bottom in the bond market and I was bang on I think perfect call and we've had many such you know uh, bang on hits on the market since the uh, December view, which is that not only did equities fall from there, but you also ended up getting uh, gold bottoming in December. We ended up getting uh, US equities and Asian equities rally in January. You ended up getting the recent uh, bottom in the bond market. And we've also managed to pick on the most recent sell off in oil prices, you know, that you would have this final leg towards uh, the fourth wave of the previous uh, advance closer to 65 dollars we already at 68 a few dollars left to to achieve that and so a lot of these things have actually uh, followed the playbook including the bounce back in copper to the 61 percent retracement point and so on and I can keep ranting the only thing which didn't happen which was the big breakaway was that Indian equities in January did not rally along with the world and I think that sort of got me caught off guard because I would have thought well Every up and down move, even though we may have fallen less and rallied more than the US through June, July, August, September, we've always been on the same side. So it's we've always rallied more when US equities were rallying and then fallen less when they were falling and in that sense outperformed, but we sort of tend to be so, uh, correlated at some degree because because when the dollar rises the USDNR rises it creates a risk of everywhere but January was very very different as expected global equities rallied but India did not and then it continued to reel under the pressure once the Adani uh, group issue really came up and like I said it's forced me to think back and forth, well, if this issue is here, the last time something like this happened, it uh, it also led to a final sell-off in Indian equities and you know they fell sharply in 2001 for almost six months uh, till 9-11 happened and then you got the final low point. But here you are, the news flow has come and gone and uh, the sell-off is not of that magnitude, at least not in February. It's still extending in March and we're still trying to think you know, what the heck is going on because this is like a thousand point fall from maybe the peak of Feb and if we go from the all time high 18,800 to 16,800 around 2000 points from the peak Uh, but it took 4 months which is the slowest decline that we've really seen in any time I don't know maybe how many years at least not till 2019 that I can remember that you had such a slow decline in the Indian equity market and therefore the time taken to do this makes it slow painful and grudging. Uh, and then again, doesn't compare with anything. So uh, uh, so if it doesn't compare, is it similar? Is this a slow distribution and then a big sell-off? But where is the environment? I mean, it's not going to be this, what you're hearing from the global side, a banking crisis, credit swiss. Remember that all the problems that we are really hearing about or seeing from from the inflation talk to uh, the banking crisis are all liquidity based right so you have a lot of liquidity uh, in the system you're trying to tighten liquidity you're raising rates you're doing QT Uh, and if it's causing liquidity problems you're actually injecting liquidity back and that's one of the reasons among many for why us equities did not follow the playbook they should have continued the setup was looking similar till november december uh, but suddenly it wasn't because uh, you ended up getting liquidity support in november october november from you know the fed through different means and then everybody started to track those means you know whether it's the RR, or global liquidity and then you have the china reopening and they are stimulating and so so many sources of liquidity coming and going from different fronts that it has become hard to say what should you really be netting off and looking at and all, all these smart analysts around the world are trying to get figure that out. But having said that, if we are really uh, tightening liquidity on one side and then willing to provide it so that there is no crisis, we are actually trying to manage what is a soft landing whether we admit it or not. And that is what has driven a reversal in most markets since uh, October, November or December. And therefore, even as we are seeing this crisis unwind right now, banking stocks selling off, you have the Fed stepping in and saying it's there's not going to be a deposit withdrawal problem. We have the backstop in place. So that's not a worry point. The global banking sector is not going to go under. This is not 2008. I think everybody said that now everybody who understands the banking system i have mentioned it in the last week a couple of times so repeating it here is now repeating it after everybody's probably said it whoever understands finance and same with uh, the swiss bank right the uh, credit swiss is not really something that's going down today or the problem is new that has shown up it's been a bank that has been in crisis for more than a decade 15 years going since 2008 the stock's been falling been a short every year you could have actually shorted it and sat on that short or founder period and it's come in the news as a crisis bank may shut down like a dozen times so you can google it and find all the news of credit swiss shutdown risk failure blah 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 a gazillion times in various news and media every time the stock falls so when the market needs a reason Well, blame it on Credit Suisse or maybe Deutsche Bank. Those are like being the candidates to hit upon. But these are banks that would be easily classified as too big to fail. And their governments, uh, when when push comes to shove, are going to provide the liquidity. And that's exactly what they did overnight. 50 billion euros of liquidity provided. Early morning Bloomberg News stocks up 40%. So this is what it is. This is not going to be the issue. Liquidity is not going to be the problem. If there's a shoe to drop and something's got to happen bad, whether it's another recession or an earnings recession or whatever it is, it's not here and now yet. It's something we can anticipate, we can try to predict, uh, but the markets don't see it here and which means it could be three months, six months, quite some time away. And the only thing that leads leaves us to really be watching is what does the Fed say? a week from now I think that's why despite all the positives around banking the markets not taken off in a big way because fine you've provided liquidity to everybody but are you still going to keep raising rates and keep tightening liquidity and wait for more shoes to drop because that will not end volatility in the market so even though you may be backstopping everything from a crisis you will still get volatility because news will remain bad and that's what markets want to figure out what what are you going to do fed are you going to keep volatility in the market? So are you going to you know, allow volatility to calm down? I think they allow it to calm down. That's what everybody is starting to bet on. Everybody is backed off from predictions of 50 basis points to 25 basis points and a pause. Let's see if that's what actually ends up happening. It would definitely halt the volatility in markets. And, and from there on, for other markets, uh, the ones that are better placed in the macro setup, it would actually end up being positive. And I'm sure you can think why India would be one of those because stability of our banking system is far better. I mean, even though we've had our own NPA crisis and our PSUs have been through a lot, they are cleaned up for now. Whether you like them or not, doesn't matter. But the point is whether you have clean books, whether you have deleveraged corporations, uh, industries, and where you're really placed relative to, to the world and can you really be a growth economy and so uh, we do have the setup needed for that so definitely can become an attractive place what you really need is stability around the world so we have that stability do we have another crisis looming or coming that's i think the billion dollar question it doesn't look like the here and now based on the current news flows like i said there's got to be another shoe to drop we don't know whether that's today or six months down the line And if we simply go by how data is going to pan out, say for example, what is known, what's known is if you simply look at the recent charts have published WPI inflation, CPI inflation, all of them, both in India and the US are coming down, you may not like one month's data versus another like last month, everybody was scaring about that one data point going a little slower. But if you simply look at a 6-month, 12-month chart of any data on inflation, you'll find it dropping over the months. And so that simply shows you the trajectory and there are going to be base effects kicking in over the next 3-4-5 to four, four, five months. And so uh, as that happens, if inflation is headed down, the pressure to raise rates goes away, you pause, do you really cut is a judgment call that the Fed will have to take. Do you really cut would be based on whether the economy is really slowed down in all aspects, whether the reopening... Of the world economy is uh, in place and you don't have those supply bottleneck issues again you know moment you let go uh, you get do- that kind of inflation back you shouldn't get inflation which is based on supply bottlenecks now if you get some other form of inflation yes you'll have to deal with that and that could probably be the next shoe to drop then because if it's not going to be based on the current liquidity cycle because you have that under control it's got to be something else. It's only going to be if inflation goes out of control in a second cycle, which means you cool off this cycle over the next six months. uh, And if at some point, if you feel comfortable and start cutting rates, will you actually end up reflating uh, the world economy into another inflationary cycle? And uh, will that require you to really chase inflation with rates? And that's something we don't know today. We won't know till somewhere in 2024-25, which means by the time the US election is in place. I was actually listening today that You know, from one of the hedge fund managers that one of the things which would happen as you go into election year and as happens in every country, including ours, is that government starts spending more to make the public at large happy. And that sort of is a way of winning elections. And anywhere you do that, if you increase spending in an election year after tightening in a pre-election year, which is what we are doing this year, you would be spending again and trying to push up inflation a bit. And as long as you don't overdo it, we are good. But uh, that could be one of the sources of future inflation and like I said, if, if we are getting another inflationary cycle after a, a disinflationary cycle, then that happens only sometime in 2025. So that actually pushes things, you know, way, way down. So in short, whatever we are hearing in terms of banking crisis, so this is where, this is why it's a new normal, like I said in January. Uh, it's nice to talk about big crashes, but it's not happening. It's like we are seeing a few hundred points go here and there but what is the trigger what is the what is the unwind where is the credit crisis where is the uh, you know shutting down of the economy it's not happening and so till that till we really see signs of that i think we are surely throwing darts in the air and a lot of correlations break so like just like we saw equities and bonds fall together in 2022 we would have thought that both of them start moving uh, up together so I, so when i called the bottom in the bond market i thought that's what would happen But the bottom in the bond market has come on the back of the banking news, you know, negative banking news. And so it started to look like the risk of trade all over again. Bonds went up, equities went down for the first few days of that trade. And it suddenly looked like, well, what was correlated has now again gone back to the inverse relation that we had two years ago. Now, if the inverse relation remains, yes, we have a problem because bonds keep rallying and put pressure, downward pressure on equities, then surely we have a problem and, and we will figure that out in the next uh, 10 days. I think uh, we will get clarity of that as we get closer to the Federal Reserve's announcements. But uh, like I said, if we are behind with this banking crisis, if nothing more is really going to happen right now, then we are talking a different tune. Then we are saying that the risk of n- noise that we were really seeing is, is behind us. It was just for a few days. But just like bonds and equities fell together uh, because of the delayed action of the Fed in the inflationary cycle, it's possible that both of them actually go up together. And that's something that few are anticipating. Uh, everyone started to think that's, that, you know, uh, because there's been a history that every time the Fed pivots and it's the pivot is usually because the recession hits, uh, because they were raising rates, which was the cycle the last few times. I'm just starting to wonder, can there be a change to that cycle? Because the recession is not coming. Okay, we do see a flattening of growth, but not a big drop. And we are providing liquidity to make sure that nothing falls apart. So in that scenario, uh, if instead of going into a steep recession, you might just get a mild earnings recession, 4-5% earnings drop is what we've seen in the last quarter for US equities. And in India, we've actually seen growth slowing uh, in terms of pace from the previous quarters. And with that, what we'll have to start looking out for is whether that trajectory can change. Now, of course, falling bond yields in the U.S. can also mean that pressure on interest rates in india actually uh, come off but uh, here's the trick part now just like i spoke about uh, the breaking of correlations in the in the us when we look at the correlation between say the bond market and the currency slightly more medium term we'll actually find that when rates go down the currency weakens and when rates tighten the currency is a little stronger than uh, than it is typically now of course because uh, recently we've seen both yields and the currency that is USDNR going up and bond deals going up together for a short period of time at the height of this crisis. It may be fair to think that both can even drop together. It has happened before. Uh, but even if we get uh, a slight deviation, which means we actually see bond yield starting to fall below 7.2%, then they go to 7%. And you find that the USDNR is actually remaining sticky, close to the 83 rupee mark. It shouldn't be surprising because that's what is usually the case. Uh, the only time that wouldn't happen, which means uh, the normal inversion of relation between uh, the currency and the bond deal, which means bond deal falling push puts upward pressure on USDINR. The only time that wouldn't happen is if there is a change in foreign investment flows, specifically, if not just for equities, maybe directly for the bond market. That's an environment that hasn't changed for a long time. We've seen selling by FIIs, FPIs for a prolonged period of time. In fact, for years now, there have been outflows year after year. There are some months that end up being very good. But on a year-on-year basis also, we've seen net outflows at times. uh, Because some parts of the months, they just end up selling now. A bigger reason to understand that, I think a lot of people have asked this question. No perfect answers. But... Even for some time, if that changes, given the markets have fallen, if uh, you know money flows into either our bond market or equity markets, you could have a scenario where USDNR also drops and bond yields also drop. Because like I've been posting, both have triangular chart patterns, uh, both are showing multiple highs at the same level. Uh, we are still watching as to whether those highs hold and we actually break the lower end of this range. We haven't broken either side, so you can debate it either way but uh, both breaking on the di- downside at the same time uh, would only happen if uh, you know you had a setup of that kind where you know money flows strongly into our markets and yields are falling at the same time which i think is very probable if the scenario which i am thinking about really comes into play it's not just a global reflation you have a weak dollar the dollar has actually peaked in 2022 and because of that you might actually see the currency market strengthen which is the rupee strengthen and you can simultaneously get that with Uh, you know weakening yields so if bond yields fall in India basically what you get is uh, falling interest rates stimulating uh, demand something that uh, that has been tightened and that would again start to reflate uh, the growth cycle trigger people to go out and spend and you have that entire boom kicking in on the back of falling interest rates and uh, you know fresh money flowing into India so that is I think the the big theme the big possibility all of these things need to be proven the main point I'm trying to say is that On the crisis side, the opposite should have happened and is actually not yet happening. Three months into this decline for uh, Indian equities, we aren't seeing the currency market either break out beyond 83. We aren't seeing bond yields break out above 7.5. And that keeps crisis within bounds, you know. So so as, as far as it looks like crisis, the macro is not really confirming that it's actually uh, diverging. And when you get these kind of divergences, it actually signals that something is about to change at some point of time. And that is something you need to keep paying attention to and not lose sight of. Okay, one final thing uh, that I'll get into before ending this podcast is, uh, you know, last week I actually wanted to record record this earlier because I actually sat down listening to the entire reply that the Federal Reserve was actually giving to uh, the Senate. You know, something that I've never done before. This is the first time I actually sat down and listened to this, this discussion because I always think it's not important to us. Oh, well, they're going to say the same thing that they say in their main meetings. they only going to reiterate it, which has mostly been the case. But, you know, with the whole world so much on a trigger as to what's going to happen next, is it all falling apart, is it not, what does he think. And I think that's what even the emotions or sentiment were really in the Senate, because they asked him some really tough questions. Uh, On one point, he was almost asked to, you know, whether he expects, uh, you know, his policies. In fact, they said, your policies by themselves state that what you do in the past would have led to unemployment really shooting up to, you know, 8, 9, 10%. And if that's what your uh, measures are going to lead to, Then how is it any good uh, what you are doing and maybe we need another governor. They actually said maybe we need another governor. I was pretty shocked. That was a statement right in the Senate back to him that, you know, this is not what we want. We don't want a situation where hiking rates results in huge unemployment just because you want to achieve a certain objective. And that takes me to another point, uh, you know, that was coming back to me from my brother and also a week back, somebody tweeted it and, uh, you know, tagged me on it. Uh, there was an article which was mentioning that, well, if consumption is really the problem, you know, so the problem is not really, uh, is it really too much liquidity? Is it, is it the manufacturing sector? U.S. actually imports most of its stuff from out, uh, from abroad, so it doesn't really manufacture that much and raising rates, hiking the way they are, really end up hurting the manufacturing and corporate sector. when. What you're really trying to do is slow down consumption from the excess liquidity and free money that you've really given out to savers who are spending and creating more demand than there was supply. And of course, there were the bottlenecks that were putting excessive pressure on that. So definitely, you don't want a a repeat of that. And if there's some way to stop or slow down the consumption side, why not only focus on measures that could actually reduce consumer credit from expanding, rather than simply raise rates on everybody uh, who doesn't even impact uh, inflation. Uh, Now, of course, inflation this time has been widespread. It's not just CPI, it's also PPI. So, uh, we cannot really say that's only one part of the equation. But this was a thought. I mean, can there be another way to manage this situation? Well, in any case, maybe uh, the Fed thought not But can it really then continue down the path that it is doing because it will cause a lot of damage. We've already seen that play out in terms of the banking problems from the current uh, hiking cycle, which takes us back to what they said in December that, well, there are lag effects and we really need to watch the lag effects and this is one of them which has come in so that that gives them a lot of reason to pause whether with or without a rate hike maybe a 25 bips and pause because they need to wait for lag effects and that could be the reasoning they would use for that pause but the other thing uh, which he said very clearly is that he's not targeting deflation you know so Jeremy Powell was very clear that he's targeting disinflation which essentially means keeping prices from going up, which means they can be stable; they can stay at the same level. Remember, this is what I've been saying about the inflation uh, cycle: that you know, you can have an inflationary recession, but do you really want prices to come down? You know, you want prices to just stabilize. You know, and which means that the repricing of the economy has already happened. And if that is true, then you're really not looking at nominal GDP collapsing because of falling prices; you're just simply looking at it stabilizing at a particular higher level. And then once the base effect is kicking and you get Y on Y inflation coming down, you can continue to grow from that higher base. And so that is what disinflation is. So that's sort of what I think I concluded is what he's trying to say uh, that we are targeting disinflation and not deflation. Another important intermarket divergence to really take note of uh, while all this has been happening is that when bond yield spiked last week to uh, you know new multi-year highs, This time it was not accompanied by a new high in the dollar. So you again have a massive intermarket divergence uh, between uh, two important components. Last year it was yields rising, dollar rising. This time around you don't have the dollar at the same high as yields are. That is a big change in how uh, these two markets are really behaving. Remember intermarket divergences often precede uh, potential turning points. They They are not a timing tool. It's not like tomorrow morning. But they tell you something about uh, what's coming uh, ahead of us. So let me conclude. This is not your 2008 crisis. We are not going to get the same kind of credit problem, banking shutdown. Bank runs uh, are not the way of the future. But there is just one final thing after the Fed meet which might still create volatility in the markets maybe in June or July. And that is going to be the US shutdown. right? The US government shutdown. Of course, it has a history. They have always postponed, uh, postponed it. They've raised the debt ceiling time and again and again but it does result in some near-term noise that well we don't need to do this we need to you know slow down you need to cut expenditure and then they raise the ceiling and then move on it's a nice debate gets a lot of attention once that attention seeking is done usually ceilings raised life goes on that's what's been the past will it be the same this time will it be different will it drag on a little longer than usual That could be a volatility point going into mid part of this year but between now and then markets are in the short term going to respond to what the Fed is likely to do next week. Most of the other news I think is now sort of discounted you know our markets also have fallen quite a bit and it will be interesting to see how all world markets uh, now behave, that liquidity has been uh, put in place to backstop the banking sector. The last one to talk on it is going to be the Federal Reserve Governor. That's all from me for today. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.